Good job. Well, I was hoping that the family would sing, and if they weren't going to, I was just going to request it, and so I'm glad. I'm always glad to get to hear them sing, and, and uh, very glad to be here. Thank you, for Brother Montoro, for allowing me to, to preach. There was a beautiful wedding yesterday morning. It really was, and uh, absolutely the earliest wedding I've ever been to in my life, and uh, it set a record there for sure, and uh, excited for Brother Jason and Miss Anita just to see how the Lord's going to use them, and uh, together as a couple, and they have been used here, I know. It's always a thrill to come back here, it really is. I'm not sure, Brother Montour, how many times I was going through my records. It's nearly ten times I've been back here since, I think, the year 2001, and just a, it's a blessing, and uh, you know, you might just you know, wonder how that is. Well, I have to be honest with you, first of all, it starts with a friendship with a pastor, and uh, that camaraderie that preachers have. But when you come back to church and the people give you liberty when you preach, um, boy, it's refreshing to a preacher. You don't get liberty everywhere you go. Some places you just take the liberty, (laughs) even though the people don't give it. But here you folks just give the liberty to me as a preacher, and I thank you so much. And then friendships established, and I'm thankful for the friends that are here. And your love for Heartland Baptist Bible College, believe me, um, we're very, very thankful to you for your prayer support and financial support as well. I have 14 pages of sermon notes this morning. How many of you want me to preach really fast? Amen. You sure don't want a slow preacher for 14 pages. But I really do feel like the Lord's given me a message this morning to preach. But I really uh, feel like I've got to just kind of bring us right to a place together and then flip a page and go to that page together and to go to the next page together. And so as I kind of bring us together as a group, if you'll let me know you're moving along with me, that would be a big help. Amen? Because if I have to go back and try to get someone, it's just going to slow us up, and I don't want to have to do that. So I want to have a real particular starting point so that we can get to an end point together and really just to find out what God wants us to be ending on this morning. So with that in mind, I'd invite your attention to John chapter 19. If you can stand, please do so for the reading of the scripture. If you cannot stand, that's fine. Um, I'll not make mention of it. The Lord knows. Is this still my water? Okay. Taking a little bit of allergy medicine. I was telling Ms. Janelle that a little bit earlier. My uh, throat is getting a little dry. So John chapter 19. It's good to have... My uncle and my Aunt Mary, Uncle Greg and Aunt Mary here this morning, they work at Heartland Baptist Bible College. Uncle Greg, Aunt Mary, just raise your hand so the people can see you. Uh, They came in for Anita's wedding. Uh, This couple here uh, would be adopted parents in Oklahoma City to Anita Berry. And I believe they were to Carolina as well. And is that right? Where are you at, Carolina? She's somewhere. She was right here. She's downstairs. (laughs) So we, we, we want to just say thanks, Uncle Greg and Aunt Mary, for coming. That's a blessing to Anita, I know. But John chapter 19, look at verse 1. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. The soldiers planted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again 
and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Verse 17. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called, excuse me, called the place of the skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him on either side one and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city. And it was written in Hebrew and in Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priests of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the King of the Jews, but that he said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, I have written what I have written. I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts, to every soldier a part, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it. Whose shall it be? And the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, they parted my raiment among them. And for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus, therefore, saw his mother and the disciples standing by, whom they he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own house, his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar. And put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. Here's our key verse. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, say with me church, it is finished. He bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. The Jews therefore, because it was the preparation that the bodies should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was in high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and brake the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. But they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already. They brake not his legs, but one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he that saw it bear record, and his record is true. He knoweth that the saying that he knoweth that he saith true, that ye might believe. For these things were done 
that the scripture might be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And again, another scripture saith, they shall look on him whom they pierced. Heavenly Father, I pray that every distraction will be removed from each mind this morning. And I pray today, dear God, that you will do what only you can do in the lives of your people so that only you can be praised. And Lord, thank you that you finished it all on the cross. That you completed what your Father wanted. We give you the praise and the glory and we ask it in your sweet name that gets sweeter every day. In the name of Christ we ask it. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. I've got a question that I just want to ask. And Are you satisfied? Are you satisfied with what Christ did on the cross? Finally, as we look at it this morning, these are words of triumph, not words of a defeated martyr. These are words of great victory from the sinless one, not words from the victim, but from the victor himself. He exclaims, it is finished. It's not a helpless cry. It's not a cry of relief. It's not a cry of of being worn out physically. No, it's not. It's not a cry of a last grasp of a man getting air. No, it's the declaration on the part of the divine Redeemer that all for which He came to earth to do is finally done. All that is needed to reveal the full character of God had now been accomplished. The full price of redemption has now been paid. It is finished. That's what really happened. If you you could imagine this in the form of a question, what is it really happened when he said it is finished? First, he accomplished this, the fulfillment of all the prophecies that were written about him. One by one, each one written about his birth, his life and death. It's been accomplished. It's now finished. One by one. For example, we see the Old Testament uh, prophet Isaiah said that he would be born of a virgin. Well, guess what? According to Matthew, he was born of a virgin. Can I get an amen for that? We're also told that, that we would be all these things being fulfilled one after another. I could spend many, many minutes just talking about all the scripture that was fulfilled when he said it is finished. Imagine him in the hands of the, the angry sinners. What was really finished? Well, we see here also that it was the end of him being in the hands of angry sinners, of jealous, mixed up religious leaders, handling him like he was a criminal, handling the Savior like he was their enemy, and he was dying for their sins. It's the end of the physical suffering of Christ. But not only the physical suffering is ended, but we also see that the cup has finally been drained. The darkness is over and the wages of sin have now been paid. The holy God is finally satisfied with what happened on the cross. Can you imagine a cry of triumph, a loud cry which reverberates today throughout the whole universe? The Savior, the Son of God exclaims this, it is finished! 
But then he gives up the ghost. Can you imagine? Just go back to that place. Never again shall he experience pain. Never again shall they beat him. Never again shall he be placed on a cruel cross. The head that was once crowned with thorns is now crowned with glory. The royal diadem adorns the mighty victor's brow. The highest place that heaven can afford is finally his by sovereign right. The Son of God will never be beaten, never be hung on a cross again. Now, what else is finished? This accomplishment of atonement. See, his goal, his mission is finally accomplished. Luke 19 says that he came to seek and to save. The Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. 1 Timothy 1, verse 15 says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, to take away sin. 1 John 3, 5 says, He was manifested to take away our sins, and in Him there was no sin. This was the end of the penalty of sin for those that would trust Christ. The sins of those that believe, all of them. This is the place where those sins were transferred to the Savior. Isaiah 53, 6, 53, 6 says, The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now stop and think about this. So if God laid my iniquities on Christ, then they, my sins, are no longer on me. Our guilt, our condemnation, the penalty for our sins was transferred to our substitute. Therefore, because my sins were transferred to Christ, get this, they're no longer on me. They were laid on the cross. He died for my sins. He's my substitute. They're not on me. Because 32 years ago, I accepted him as my personal savior. And when I did that, my sins were forgiven. It was a Sunday night. It was in the living room of my parents' home. They were asleep in bed. I was just lying on a couch. I had a, had a bad weekend. I was doing some bad things as a 20-year-old man. I can remember just watching a movie on television. And I can remember the Lord just quieting the television down. It was as if the volume just turned off. And I can remember the Lord saying, Jeff, this is your last chance. I went to church quite a bit. I was actually drugged to church all the time. If you're going to live in my parents' home, you was going to church. And I can remember 32 years ago, the third Sunday of February, I can remember the Lord saying, this is your last chance. I can remember being afraid, afraid that he would turn his back on me and never give me a chance again. 
to accept him as my Savior. I can remember getting off the couch and just falling on my knees and just saying, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'm sorry I've been so stiff-necked. I'm sorry I've bowed up time after time. Lord, would you please forgive me of my sins? Would you please come into my heart? As best as I know how, Lord, I'm going to have faith in what you did on the cross for me. And I can tell you, I got up off my knees that night knowing one thing for sure. Jesus Christ forgave my sins. What happened on the cross? My sins were washed away. And then I trusted what he did. I had faith in what Jesus did. You see, prior to that, I felt I really wouldn't be able to satisfy God. I felt like there's no need for me to really turn a new leaf or for me to become a religious person because I was really convinced I could never earn my way to heaven. The whole thing was is I had a misunderstanding. No one can earn their way to heaven. Amen? But I finally came to the end, the realization that I can't add anything to what Jesus did on the cross. See, here's the real thought. God was satisfied with what Christ did on the cross. Jeff Copes can't add anything to what Christ did on the cross to satisfy God anymore. It is finished finally. There on the cross, it's a place where Satan's power is finished. See, in view of the cross and then the resurrection, this is how Satan's final defeat has occurred. I agree, it's true that Satan has not yet been chained and cast into the hell. But nevertheless, his sentence has been passed, though it's not been executed. And I look forward to the day that Satan's sentence will be executed. Well, he'll be chained up and cast into hell. I don't know for sure how it's going to happen, but we're told that once we're with Christ in heaven, that we'll never leave his side again. That once when you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, and when you die and go to heaven, you'll never be separated from the Savior again. And as we look in prophecy, we realize that we will already be with the Lord in heaven. And then Satan's sentence will be executed somehow. I don't know how it's going to happen, but my imagination just kind of goes wild sometimes. And maybe Satan will be there and we'll be there in a line. And maybe he's just chained up and, and God just brings him right beside us. And I don't know, maybe it'd be kind of neat to just kind of smack him on the back of the head or something. I don't know if we'll be able to do that. But if there's a line for that, I'm getting in it. Because he's deceived me. He deceived me way too long. I fell for his lies way too long. And there's times that I still battle the temptation that he presents to me way too often. And I look forward to the day When he's cast into hell. A place that's prepared for him. 
in a place that grows. I'm so glad that Christ finished the work of redemption on the cross. Are you satisfied with what Christ did on the cross? Or are you trying to add something to it? Maybe you're trying to add church membership to it. And think, if if I'm a good church member, then that means I'm saved. Or maybe you, you want to take, to the, take the cross and add a, a certain series of prayers. And you maybe think that will get you saved. Or maybe you want to take what, what Jesus Christ did on the cross and maybe add special giving or be a good tither. Or maybe you just want to do good works. You say, Jesus, what he did on the cross, plus my good works. Then you're showing that you're not satisfied. God said, Jesus said, it's finished. There's nothing more God required of His Son than to sacrificially lay His life down on the cross. Folks, they did not take Jesus' life. He laid it down for you and I. And many times we find ourselves accepting Jesus Christ plus some work or some action. As a child of God, I can now treat Satan as a defeated enemy because of what Christ did on the cross. Let me just try to wrap this up and apply Think for a moment of Christ hanging on the cross and the words coming out of his mouth. It is finished. What does that statement really mean to you personally? I fear. I'm not accusing I don't know anybody's situation that would cause me to say what I'm about to say. But I fear that many are trying to add something on their own to this statement. Just to secure favor with God. You can't do more than what His Son did On the cross. All you have to do is trust Jesus Christ. Period. Big exclamation point. Not add anything to it. Just trust Jesus Christ. I have way too many friends in Boston that grew up in real religious environments. And they labor and labor and labor to find favor with God. My heart breaks for them. All that they would have to do is to trust Christ as their Savior. I have relatives that try to find favor with God 
through good works. I preach to people in churches that aren't satisfied with what Christ did. God was satisfied with what Jesus did on the cross over 2,000 years ago, and he still is today. God is completely satisfied with what Christ did on the cross. Let me just stop and slow down for a minute. Sinner, lost person, the moment you put your faith in the finished work on the cross to save you from hell, the moment is the same moment your sins will be forgiven. Sinner, lost person, would you like to know today that every sin can be forgiven? Would you like to have the assurance today that there's nothing between you and God? Then today, believe His Word that says, it is finished. There is only one way to get to God. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. And I have to be honest with you. When Pastor Montoro called me and asked me to preach, I, I just already knew what I was supposed to preach this message. And when I came in here Friday afternoon and I saw this for the first time, I just had a little, little private hallelujah time over here. Thinking, man, Lord, what are you up to? I've never been in a church that had this on the wall. Are you the one that needed to hear this message? If you are, well, we just have an invitation. It's a wonderful time for you to just to step out and say, God, Lord, once and for all, I want to trust you with what you did on the cross. You are going to frustrate yourself to hell if you're trying to work your way to heaven. I beg you. Oh, that sounds so weak. I'm okay with it. I'm begging you right now. If you've never trusted in the finished work of Jesus Christ, if you're just adding something to it, a prayer, good works, the hope of something, then you're not fully trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you're not satisfied with what He did on the cross. To make it very easy when we stand for the invitation, before I turn over the pastor, I'm just going to ask... When I ask you to stand, I'm going to ask for everyone to have their heads bowed and their eyes closed. And we'll start the time of invitation 
inviting anybody, church member, visitor, whoever, if you want to trust Christ as your Savior, just to quietly, privately step out. And then if you are a Christian, and if you have children or grandchildren, or loved ones, spouses, cousins, uncles and aunts, neighbors, workers that you know are just trying to work their way to heaven. They're real religious. And they're bypassing the cross. Let's face it. Based upon God's word, they're going straight to hell. I got family today that are on their way to hell. Good people. They have the same bloodline. They bear the same last name. And they're trying to work their way around the cross. You can't do an end around the cross of Jesus Christ. So I begged you, if you have people that are flashing through your head right now, please, if you've trusted Christ, would you this morning bend a knee and pray for them? Because I promise you, there'll come a day, if you don't, you will regret that you didn't. Would you stand with your heads bowed, your eyes closed? Please don't wait for the invitational music to start. It will start, but if God's speaking to you, why don't you just step out right now. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will do today what only you can do with your people. And we give you the praise for it in Christ's name. Amen. If you need to come, why don't you come right now? If you want to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, just stand right here. All heads are bowed. Please, everybody help. If you want to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, just stand right here and we'll help you. We'll be very quick to help you. If you'd like to trust Christ as your Savior, just lift your hand up right now and we'll help you. We'll help you any way that we can. All heads bowed. All eyes closed giving anybody. Yes, you can do prayers back there in your pew. No doubt about it. But there's something about coming out and having a place down at the front. If you need someone to pray with you right now, just lift your hand up. Maybe you just want to lift up a lost person and you just want somebody to come and to pray along with you. We can do that right now. With all heads bowed, all eyes closed. Maybe if you're a born-again Christian, a member of the church, Maybe just come down here. There might be some that might raise their hand right now and say, I just want someone to come along and pray beside me. Maybe you could help them right now. There's some men down here, some ladies down here that might just want someone to come alongside them and say, can I pray with you right now? Can I do that? If God's putting someone on your heart, Man, please don't let that be a time where you get stiff-necked. Lift them up to the Lord right now. Take time.